Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. All right, did you find Hebrews chapter 13? Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Before I read it, there's something going on right now in our culture that I've been hearing this over and over, and I was listening to Michael Koulianos yesterday, and I was hearing him preach about this, and I just went, wow. Because I've heard this statement, and the statement is this, is that we're really wide, but we're not very deep. How many of you have ever heard that statement? Somebody make that statement. Okay, I'm the only one. So, uh, okay, no, I, hear, I see some nods, okay. And, and I've heard even ministers say this, you know, well, our church, we're really wide, but we're not very deep. What does that mean? First of all, it means that being really wide means that we have big reach. We're reaching people all across. But when we're not very deep, that means that we are not um, in our relationship with God. It doesn't go very deep. And so there's a thing going on in non-denominational churches right now where that's the deal. That's the issue is that you have a lot of people coming, but their relationship with God is not very deep. And what happens when when that happens is when storms of life come, you're shaken. You're the house that's not built on the firm foundation that you need to be built on so that you're stable, so that you're secure. And, and I see this in praise, in, in, in us coming together. I see this in, in, because worship and praise is an indicator of our relationship with Jesus. It really is. Our expression, think about your relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend, your boyfriend. You know, in a, in a relationship, you show them that you love them. The words are not enough, Right? Somewhere you have to show there has to be an expression of love. I'm not just talking about physical expressions, but your actions show it over and over. And so one thing that Zach is trying to do when we come in here and we're worshiping and we're singing music to God, and we're believing God, you know, that he's going to do amazing things in the service is there then begins to, to have this atmosphere that is created. How many of you have recognized, you've been in here on a service and you've recognized, man, the presence of God is here. And so when that presence is here, that's a time for us as believers to press in to the presence. You know, but sometimes, you know, if, if a person is maybe sitting down or, or, you know, they're not really engaged, what's happening? There's a value issue. Maybe that relationship has not gone to a deeper level, yet that deeper commitment. Does that make sense? And so I just want to encourage everybody in here is that we are believing God as a church to go to a deeper level in relationship with him. And a big part of that is worship, is praise, the way that we praise. Amen. Romans 13, 7 says, give honor to whom honor is is due. That means you give compliments because of traits, attributes, because of characters you appre- that you appreciate in other people. You've maybe heard somebody say singing praise. You were singing somebody else's praise. You know, I, every day 
literally, without a doubt. Uh, some of you may have noticed my wife. She was the one that was singing right here. Some of you maybe have noticed her hair. Every day, she gets a compliment on her hair. Somebody praises her hair. It's hilarious to me in that because I remember when she used to color. She colored all the time. But the problem was is her hair grows really fast. So in a matter of days, you can, she could already see, you know, the, the roots coming out. And I thought, wow, I can't afford 50 bucks every three days. You know, I mean, you know, we can't just keep going this way. And I remember she said, honey, I'm praying about just going all natural. What would you think if I went all natural? And I thought, glory to God, we would save so much money. No, I, I said, honey, I, I was like every good husband. Come on. I said, I said, honey, whatever you think, I'm with you. I'm with you. And she said, I think I'm going to go all natural. And so she gives, it's interesting because when she gets these compliments, Nicole says immediately, didn't God do a great job? And I love her responses because she's giving honor to God. She's giving honor where honor is due. Nicole didn't create her hair. She's just wearing it. You know? I mean, we get what we get, right? You're, play, you're playing the cards that you have, right? You know? And it's what we have. But I see her giving credit to God every time people compliment her. And how many of you think God is just going, thanks? Thank you. I did do a good job on your hair. No, I'm serious. Literally, women will say, what color did you use? No, no, baby, this is all God. <laughs> it's all God. All right, did you find Hebrews 13 yet? Say yes. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Romans, uh, Romans, Hebrews 13, verse 15 says this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So let's read it one more time. Look at it one more time. Therefore, don't, hey, don't kill my lights now because I'm going to come back down there. Don't, don't soften them up on me here. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we see that praise is something that we give, and we give praise with our mouth. It comes through our lips. This is the way we give praise. And so then, but notice it also said the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. That's interesting because sacrifice is something that costs something. That means that it was it was prepared, it was presented, and it was of great value. You remember the three wise men, they came, they traveled from afar, right? They presented these extremely valuable gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. And God had a plan for it because God knew that he was going to send Joseph and Mary to Egypt. And they were going to have to live there for more than a year until Herod died before they would come back again. So they had to have sustenance, something to live on, right? And God brought that. That was a precious gift. So you think about the sacrifice of praise. I heard this pastor teach this, and I, and I was amazed by it because I hadn't really thought about it. Think about this. Think about the Jewish families that would bring their sacrifice once a year. So 
so their lamb, they have a new lamb that is born, and all the, lamb, all the lambs, you know, they all give birth, right? And so then they would find the lamb that didn't have a spot or a blemish on it. Why? Because that, this is going to be our sacrifice for next year when we go to the tabernacle, right? And so they would set this lamb aside. But the interesting thing about this lamb is they wouldn't just set it to the side. They would bring it into the house with them. Why? You don't want this lamb being carried off by, you know, by an animal or something. As somebody trying to do something to this lamb. But they would carry this lamb off. Or they would take him into the house. And the kids would play with this lamb. Why? I mean, you're feeding it. You're together all the time. You're petting the lamb. And it, was, it almost became a type of pet. So that by the time they took this lamb to the temple to offer it as a sacrifice, it was truly a sacrifice. Think about it. Your family has, has grown close. You've gotten used to having this lamb around. Now you've presented it as a sacrifice. Well, let me bring that maybe a little closer home. When we traveled on the road, um, we traveled for five years in ministry on the road all across America. We lived in an RV. And when we lived in the RV, we were able to take our two dogs with us. Now, when I married Nicole, I married two toy poodles. Yeah. And we had those for a long time. Those guys, passed, you know, one of them passed away. The other one we had to give away. And, and then we got two more dogs. So now we, have a wire, we had a wire fox terrier and a schnauzer, both in the terrier family. So we had these dogs. And these dogs are not just dogs. They're our family pets. And so they traveled with us for four years. Well, in the last year of ministry, we began to travel overseas. And so we went to the Dominican Republic, and we were not just gone for a few days or a few weeks. We were gone for 81 days at a time. I mean, it was two months, three months at a time. And so here we are gone. Well, how many of you know it's difficult to find somebody that watch your two dogs for that length of time? And so because we couldn't find anybody, we decided we were going to give these dogs, we were going to rehome them. And so God worked it out that there was this wonderful, recently retired lady who was also a recent widow. And, you know, and so we took the dogs over to her house. She agreed to foster them, you know, because when they place dogs, you foster them first. And then it's, oh, my word, it's like it's more organized than probably our government. But anyway, so, the, you know, so, so they would, so we bring the dogs over and, and she already knew that she wanted one of them. But Shadow was an older dog. He was a schnauzer. And she wasn't sure if she wanted him too. Well, we were hoping that she would take both of them. And so she said, well, let me meet both of them. And so we brought, you know, we brought the wire fox over. And then we brought the schnauzer. And our schnauzer, Shadow, when he saw her for the first time, she sat down to pet the dog. He jumped in her lap. And I thought, oh. And she said, when he jumped in my lap. He jumped into my heart. So we said, okay, good. She said, I want both of them. So she took both the dogs. Well, now we're pulling out of the driveway. And I mean, it's a, we're a wet, soggy mess, man. I mean, these have been our dogs for all these years. And so we're pulling. So, so it made me realize that must have been somewhat what the sacrifice felt like. It's a sacrifice that costs something. To bring it, the sacrifice of praise. Wow. Look at Malachi. Turn over to Malachi. I want you to be able to see this. Malachi chapter 1. Um, because it's important that we bring a sacrifice of value. 
Something that costs something, right? Something that is appreciated. And so God is talking through Malachi here to the children of Israel. And he, and he begins to talk in verse 6 of Malachi chapter 1. He said, a son honors his father. <clears throat> and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Verse 7, you offer defiled food on my altar, but you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, isn't, is it not evil? Or when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, present that thing to your governor. <laughs> Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? See, we have the opportunity when we come in here on Sunday to bring the sacrifice of praise. Man, the fruit of our lips. God, we wouldn't be anything without you. We wouldn't be able to do anything without you. We wouldn't be able to breathe without you. Our very being belongs to you. Man, when you recognize who he really is, what he's actually done for you, man, you can give him appropriate praise, the kind of praise that he deserves, praise that's not leftovers, right? Look at your neighbor say, I'm not bringing God leftovers. <laughs> See, praise should be encouraging, you know, we, I, talked early, I talked when I first started a little bit about children. And this is so important, you know, encouraging your kids. I'm not talking about, you know, making them believe something that's not true about themselves. But I'm talking about looking for things that you can encourage your child in. Because I can't tell you all the, uh, how many times that I've met with parents and talked about their kids. Either they want to talk about their kids or, or, or they talk in front of their kids. And it's, and it's amazed me how, you know, they're willing to criticize their, their child sitting right in front of them. And, and I look over at the child when, while the parent's talking and can see that they're just, they're not even giving me eye contact. They're just focused on eating their food or, or looking somewhere else because it, it brings shame to them. That doesn't encourage a child to rise up and be the person that God has called them to be. Well, Phil, you don't understand some of the things that my child has done. Well, I, I may not, but I do understand this, that you can find something about your child that you can talk positively about. They might be really good at not putting their underwear on the floor, but actually putting it in the hamper. If that's as minimal as it is, you could say, son, thank you for putting your underwear in the hamper. Amen? You do a good job with that. It's important because you can literally change your child's life with your words. You literally can. Man, and think about this. Think about God. I was thinking about when, you know, when Satan came before him and it was in the book of Job. And God began to talk about Job. He didn't say anything negative about Job. And if anybody has dirt on you, it's God the Father. Nobody has dirt like God's got dirt, Right? Eyes and ears everywhere. Knows what's, he knows your whole life. 
But look at how he talks about Job. He says, if you consider my servant Job, there's no one like him on the planet. But yet Job had a real fear problem. He had some hang-ups in his life. But God didn't point to any of them, did he? Good preaching, Pastor Phil. So praise calls things that be not as though they are. If you want to see something different in your child, begin to call things that you want to see in their life. Begin to talk, speak over them good things. Because when you value someone, you're not going to talk negative about them, are you? So let's talk for a moment. I want to give you some points as to why we praise. So if you're taking notes, you may want to write these down. Why do we praise? Why do we praise? Number one, praise is where his throne is. Praise is where God lives, right? It says in, the, it says in Scripture that God inhabits the praises of his people. Think about what we were doing in here just a few moments ago when we had our hands up in the air and we were singing and we were praising God and then all of a sudden his presence comes and it fills the room. Man, Psalm 22, verse 3 in the New King James says this, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Then also praise is one of the keys to entering his presence. Think about this verse in Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Let me tell you, the courts is the highest place. That's the greatest place that that's where you and I want to be is in that inner court man number two praise because he is worthy oh he is worthy. I'm getting ready to lay something on you man I'm I'm feeling the Holy Spirit getting ready to come in here Psalm 145 verse 3 says this great is the Lord and most worthy of praise his greatness no one can fathom You can't fathom how great God is. He is absolutely amazing, man. And I think about years ago, how many of you remember Oral Roberts preaching a message called The Fourth Man? Any of you remember that? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, well, when he preached this message, he was talking, of course, about, you know, in the book of Daniel, when the Hebrew children, the three of them, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the king said, who is that fourth man that's in the fiery furnace walking around? He looks like the son of God. Now, that's interesting. He recognized him, and he's never met him. Wow. But this is what Oral Roberts said in that message, and I just want to stir you up this morning. Man, I'm stirring myself up, but listen to this. He said, who is this, this fourth man? In Genesis, he is the seed of woman. Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our, I'm sorry, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken down walls in our human life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our dayspring from on high and an ever-living redeemer. 
In Psalms, he is our Lord and our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he is our lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. Excuse me. In Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Who is this fourth man? In Hosea, he is the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In, aren't you thankful? In Joel, he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. In Amos, he is the bur- our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet, of carrying the gospel. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist, crying, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is the savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing with his wings. And that's just the first, that's just the Old Testament. Come on, you guys ready for the new? Look at this. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the wonder worker. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he is our justifier. In Corinthians, he is the gifts of the Spirit. In Galatians, he is the redeemer that is redeemed from the curse of the law, the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ and the unreachable of unreachable riches. In Philippians, he is the God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he is the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he is our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is our he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is the great physician. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd who, shall, who soon shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. In First, Second, and Third John, he is our everlasting love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. And in Revelations, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just honor you. God, we praise you. You're our king and our God. There is none like you. No one anywhere is like you. Oh, God. Oh, God, we praise you and we thank you in this place. Man, thank you, Jesus. Wow, you ready for number three? Praise is the most direct path to the presence of God. Praise is. What did God say in James 4, verse 8? Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Notice who does the drawing first. We do. We draw first. We come first to him. And when we draw near, he draws near. Wow. You know, sometimes we do that that to other people. We wait for that, especially in this day and time with COVID, I don't know if they want to shake hands or what they want to do. So it's like when we were in the Dominican Republic, it was always so awkward because I didn't know what these guys were going to do. They would come up and some of them would, you know, it'd be a five or it'd be 
up top or down low. I mean, I never knew. So it got awkward for me at times because I was like, yeah, man, yeah. That was terrible, but, yeah, you know, but, and so it, where was I going with that? Why am I even sharing that? I'm, I'm thinking about, oh, because we draw near first. We extend our hand first and see what's going to happen. You know, we reach out and love first. And, man, when you reach out and you're looking for God to embrace you, guess what he does? Oh, come here. Come here. Because our God is like the prodigal dad who was looking on the horizon and waiting. Man, just come up here. Come up here. I want to embrace you. Man, I just want to love on you. I want to meet your needs. I want to answer your questions. Man, thank you, Lord. Number four, praise changes the environment. It completely changes the environment. I remember when we were in Louisville, Kentucky, our family, we met uh, one night at Dairy Queen. We just went to Dairy Queen. We are going to get some ice cream. And this little girl came walking across uh, this busy intersection. And she had a glow-in-the-dark stick. And she had tears streaming down her face. And we were sitting outside eating our ice cream. And I remember when we saw her and we thought, sweetheart, what's going on? And she said, oh, my, my, my mom's boyfriend started abusing her and I just, I couldn't stay. And so she had run away. And I thought, what do you do? You know, how do you help her? Well, she knew her dad's phone number. Her dad lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and we were in Louisville. And I said, well, let's call your dad. So we called her dad, and we didn't know what to do with her, and we were on our way home. We didn't live far from there, so we took her to our house with us. And in our house, you can sense peace in someone's home when you walk into it. When you come across the threshold, it's like, ah, this feels good. Or you can walk across the threshold and go, dear God, we need to cast something out and pray for some people, you know, in there. But... But she, here, we brought her to our house and we made some popcorn for her. She called her dad. I talked with her dad on the phone. And he said, go ahead and call the police and let them know what's going on. So I did. The police came. And she didn't want to leave our house. Why? The environment. I wouldn't have wanted to leave either. <laughs> it's nice there. And, uh, and the police officer turned to me and he said, isn't that interesting? She's only known you for an hour, and she doesn't want to leave your home. Wow, the environment. It will change the environment. Isaiah 61, verse 3 says this, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let me tell you, the garment of praise is something you put on. It's something that you put on and it fits you well. It looks, you look good in it. I mean, come on. You're, sometimes we go to our closet and we look in there and go, oh, uh, you know, I'm not very good in the closet. You know, I've tried the thing where you hang the shirt and you wear this one and then you just kind of rotate them through. I don't do that very well. Why? Because I have favorites. I don't want to wear that one today. I want to wear this one. And so I go and I grab my favorite shirt. One time we were staying with a family. We were in Delaware and we stayed with this family and it was, it was in a farmhouse. 
And so they had two bathrooms in this farmhouse. And I'm telling you that for a reason because there, there was a time when that one bathroom was being taken and the other one was back in their bedroom. And so the, the husband said, hey, why don't you go ahead and use that bathroom back there? Well, we had been, we were staying for a week and we'd only been staying for three days. And I noticed he wore the same thing every day. He had a blue pair of khaki pants on, isn't that? They're called khaki, right? Whatever, the khaki's a color. Khaki's not a material, not a, okay, I'm not a fashion king, okay? But he had blue pants, right? And then he had, he had a short sleeve, what do you call this design? plaid thank you see I told you I'm not a fashion I need some help up here he had so he had, that was what he had what he wore every day same plaid shirt same blue pants and when I went back to use the restroom in their bedroom I could see his closet 30 pairs of blue pants 30 shirts all the same and I couldn't resist I had to ask him <laughs> I said what why do you it's like one color and he said no it just makes that's one less decision I have to make I thought I'd never heard that before but you know what that's the way you should be in front of your garment of praise closet you should be putting on the garment of praise and go yeah that looks good that's my best outfit right there amen yeah that's what you should be doing <laughs> I mean so don't just sit around and be depressed if you're dealing with oppression, depression, anxiety, loneliness, let me tell you, it's time to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's a heavy spirit that's trying to come on you. It's time to put that on. Why? Because, well, you got two options. You could sit down and think about all the reasons why you should be depressed, why you should be anxious, why you should be lonely. When, wait a minute, if you're a widow, then guess what? guess who's now your husband you're never alone when you are born again God is with you you're never without a husband you're never without a wife he's with you so your first option is just sit around and worry about it your second option is you can put on the garment of praise and get rid of the spirit of heaviness amen alright number five praise is a holy offering. It's a precious gift that we freely give. Never show up unprepared to bring your offering of praise with you to present to the king. When God was giving the instructions about how to present your offering, he made an interesting statement in Deuteronomy 16. Verse 16, he said this, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, at the Feast of Tabernacle, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. That's a powerful statement. Don't appear before the Lord empty-handed. Bring your praise with you. Come on, time to get it on. Number six, why praise? Praise is a powerful weapon. Do you remember when the children of Israel left Egypt and there was... There was the Ammonites, uh, the Moabites, and Mount Seir, and they owned this land. And Moses sent word to them and said, ask permission if we can pass through their land. They've got this nice highway. Tell them that we will stay on the highway. We won't turn to the right hand or the left, but we'll stay on the highway. And see if they'll let us pass through. 
they came out with their entire army and said, there is no way you're passing through our, and so they had to go around. Well, years and years and years later, now the Israelites have come into the promised land. They, they have settled it. And, and, and now here comes, uh, here comes the Ammonites, the Moabites, Mount Seir, and they say, hey, wait a minute. We're mad that you've taken away some of the land that belongs to us. And so we're declaring war on Israel. And the king at the time was King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat just took their message and he presented it before the Lord. And he said, Lord, what do I do? Man, that's always a good idea to take something to the Lord and ask him what to do. Amen. And so the Lord gave him instructions of what to do. And so this is what he said in uh, 2 Chronicles 20. And if you look at verse 20, he said, they rose up early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. And then in verse 21, he said this, and when he had uh, consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and those who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I'm thinking that some of you in here are being faced with situations right now circumstances opportunities and you need to say you need to say this with me praise the lord for his mercy endures forever praise the lord for his mercy endures forever one more time praise the lord for his mercy endures forever god we just thank you right now that your mercy endures forever we will praise you in the midst of war in the midst of famine in the midst of whatever it is that's trying to come and affect our lives we will praise you would you stand up with me i want to give you the last point praise why praise praise i'm sorry i lied to you this is my next to last point pray sometimes i miss one praise is a powerful weapon that was sorry that was I was on my last point. Number seven, praise is a command. It's a command. I was listening to uh, Pastor Ashley, uh, Paul and Ashley Doherty, Pastor of Victory Church in Tulsa. And I was listening to a message that she preached just a couple weeks ago. And she was sharing about mountain climbers. And you know how mountain climbers will climb and they have the rope and they put the stakes in the side of the mountain to put the ropes through. And the reason that they do that is in case they slip or they lose grip and they fall, they won't fall very far because that stake is gonna catch them. They're hitched. And I loved what she said. She made a powerful statement. She said, when you are hitched to, when you hit yourself to someone greater than you, you're protected. So who are you hitched to this morning? Are you hitched to anxiety, fear, depression, oppression, stress, filled just with everything going on in this season? I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out by the elections. I'm stressed out by 
this virus, I'm stressed out by, you don't have to be stressed. Why? We can hitch ourselves to someone who is greater than the virus. We can hitch ourselves to someone who is greater than an election. We can hitch ourselves to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. <laughs> and man, and be at rest that he is leading us and guiding us. I got uh, to be real vulnerable with you in here this morning because uh, this morning I was fighting it coming in because um, I got an email this last week, you know, about expectations with our church and, and having to do with, you know, the Jones Center trying to open. And, you know, there's some, there's, there's, there's moments when I feel like I can give, but then there's moments where my heart is checked and, I, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because it's, it's taken away a constitutional right. We have to pick our battles, okay? And I choose to pick the ones that matter, not the ones that don't. And so I, I, I had to get my praise on this morning. I had an opportunity to praise God and to put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness that was trying to come on me. So I don't have to carry that. I don't have to put that on. I can put on the garment of praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.